Immortal! How? Said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the movie calendar. My name is Lee. And my name is Terence. And this week for episode 20, we're going to be talking about the 10th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume 1. Volume 1. <laughs> Whenever my son watches Volume 2, he calls it Guardians of the Galaxy Vol 2. <laughs> That's cute. Vol 2. I, we're like... We're like 20 seconds into this recording and my dog is already lapping at the water bowl. <laughs> and we've already started talking about the sequel to the film we're going to be talking about. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> this is Oscar, this is going beautifully. Oscar is allowed to make as much noise as he wants. He is a right. beautiful, beautiful temperament uh, of a dog. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's know. fine. He can he can be my little uh, rocket raccoon for this week's uh, for this week's recording. Ooh, I like it. I like rocket raccoon. Yes. Okay. Now, for those of you who are watching us on YouTube this week, there's a couple of special little e Easter eggs, uh, visual Easter eggs that are going to be dotted around uh, on my side of the screen. One of which is very obvious, or a couple of which are very obvious at the moment. Um, one being my shirt. Uh, another one is a on the bookcase behind me is a, you can't is a, just a Guardians announce, of the Galaxy book. You can't just announce what the Easter eggs are. I haven't said what's on my shirt. Oh, okay. Fine. And technically, you can kind of see it. Technically, my shirt is a volume two Guardians of the Galaxy volume two <laughs> shirt, but that's okay. <laughs> Easter egg spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now I've got a couple of other a couple of other things that I uh, will touch on um, throughout the episode as well because there's a, a a couple of really cool stories that I've got with this particular film which I can't wait to share uh, when we dive into it. Um, cool. But no, do you have anything that you would uh, like to, to talk about, Terence, before we get started? I actually would like to, jumping in before you, have you got uh, a spare battery for your light this week? <laughs> I do. I do. It's, it's right here. It's a big bad boy. It is good. Perfect. And it's there. It is full. But so is the one that's in my light. So... We'll be good. We'll, we'll be see. Good. We'll see. I quite like mood lighting though. Like the, with one light out, it was pretty. Um, uh, what what is it? A very contrasty shot. Very dramatic. Really, really moody, dramatic. Yeah, maybe for maybe for the next film we do, maybe I can do that. Oh, maybe yeah. yes. Very excited for next week. Yeah. Uh, for no, there's. That... Oh, sorry. No, I was oh, going to say those for that... those playing along, uh, oh, yeah. playing along at home for the last few weeks, we have been. Um, actively letting you know what our last film for October 2020 is going to be um, just to give you a chance to watch it and absorb it uh, before we talk about it and if, you, if you're not sure what it is I'm not going to say it right now you can wait until the end of the episode uh, yeah, it'll we'll pop jump up on the, yeah. if you haven't looked at Insta already you'll know yeah it'll be on Instagram it'll be on our Twitter we are at the movie cal um, there are time codes in the description below uh, if you would like to jump to see what next week's film is going to be um, and we're going to be recording that one very soon. So uh, pretty soon after this one drops. So if you haven't got in your uh, hashtag what about whens or your idea for a date on the calendar, do that sooner rather than later. Otherwise, you're just stuck with ours. Exactly. Our what about whens. Um, I don't have anything to really chat about with this before we actually get into the film, except for I thought this was a <coughs> fun, fun film to uh, to watch and a really nice one to kind of... I, I actually felt separated from the Marvel world watching this. 
yeah. that makes sense. I'm not a big MCU, which is a new term that I've recently learned. Marvel's look at you universe, go, uh, kind of person. But um, you know, knowing Thor and, and Ragnarok, I, I watched that, and obviously Iron Man. This one, I totally was able to step outside of it and enjoy it almost as an independent film with only a couple of references that someone outside of the world uh, realized. So, you know, I I enjoyed this on its own merit without needing to be wrapped up in the history of what it means or what piece this played in that whole puzzle. Uh, really enjoyed it. I love Chris Pratt. Just oh, he's he's so good. The the entire cast of this film is fantastic, and we're going to get into yeah. that. That is like yes, the will. hugest compliment that you can pay to a to a film like this or to a, like a comic book movie that's part of this giant franchise. Is for it to feel like its own individual piece mm. of art and cinema. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a lot of those dotted around in this franchise, which is which is super nice. Like literally, this film comes off the back of uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which. Um, a lot of people know it's this like kind of uh, suspenseful political thriller um, directed by a couple of TV directors at the time. You know, the, the wow. Russo brothers uh, who ended up doing Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame and Civil War and some of the lit- literally the biggest movies of all time and the biggest movie of all time. But yeah, it's just they they were at a point in their, in their career with uh, Disney... Uh, who ended up buying Marvel um, years before this, they kind of had a bit of a rough patch where their leadership structure wasn't fantastic and then they kind of became their own separate division and got to make a lot of their own decisions themselves without having to kind of check with the higher-ups. And and this is where you start to see it pay off when you're getting directors like James Gunn and the Russo brothers coming in and, and obscure choices happening. This is the first screenplay for a Marvel film that has a woman as a writer on it as well, Nicole Perlman. Um, and yeah, so there's lots of little things that are in the history of Marvel, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit this week, um, talking about leading up to this film and how this was quite a risk for Marvel to do. Um, just before I said that I, I watched this and it, saw it, it was seen by me as an independent type film and even though I'd seen Ragnarok before this, I don't watch them when they all come out. But was Ragnarok written or released before Guardians? Volume no, one? so that was um, a well, yeah. well and truly after, very much after. Man, um, I'm so out of touch with this, this one. Yeah, no, that's Sorry, that's everyone fine. listening that's a fan of this universe. <laughs> I think Rag- Ragnarok was probably the 17th or 18th film to come out in the oh, MCU, man. whereas this was the 10th. So um, yeah, with, I, without okay. this film there is no Thor Ragnarok with Taika Waititi directing. Like, it just, it doesn't yeah. happen. James Gunn okay. paved the way for that film. Oh, good, good. This is a good way paver. Yeah, really? yeah, it's awesome. Cannot wait to get into it. So without All right, any further ado, we are here for episode 20, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, and the introduction of of Josh Brolin as Thanos. Oh, really? This was the first film that he was in, in that performance capture capacity. Was Thanos represented by anyone in any other previous films? He was, yeah. I can't remember the actor's name, but in the post-credits scene for The Avengers, he Mm -hmm. was shown at that, and that was the sixth film in the MCU, Mm -hmm. uh, and where, yeah, the, the creature kind of, the other stood up who's in this film, 
who's yeah. Thanos as sort of lackey. Yeah. Who gets his head turned around by uh, by Ronan the Ronan. accuser. Yep. Um, and he's like, oh, we, we shouldn't have fought Earth um, to to go against them is to court death and then Thanos stands up out of his chair and turns around doesn't say anything and it's a, a makeup job and yeah I'm not sure who the actor was who portrayed him and he just smirks and smiles and that's the first time you actually saw him and this is the the first film where he he speaks and, and is properly cast and yeah so that was that was huge like at the time you know for fans of this stuff like that was just such a huge moment seeing him for the first time and hearing him speak really yeah, massive. Cool. Cool. Because everyone knew already what he was, what he meant. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Yeah, it That's was cool. cool. There's, so, there's so many things in this film that has made fans go crazy who were following this stuff. Uh, but without being detached from it being just a really good like standalone film that you can enjoy whether you know the history or not. Like it's a, yeah. it's a really well-balanced film. Um, yep. Yeah, which is super cool, and a lot of that has to do with James Gunn. Yeah. Are you familiar with much of his work no. pre this at all? No, not. I can't say I know. If you ask me, uh, list any James Gunn directed films, I would draw blanks. I have no idea. But if you mention them, well, he's uh, he he was more known as a writer than as a director. He directed a few yeah. things. Um, but his writing is where you would probably know him best from. Um, yeah. Such uh, such affairs as Scooby Doo. Have weird. you seen any of the Scooby Doo uh, films? Is that about uh, some bad crockery? Don't know. Some serving serving utensils. No, where are you getting this? Where's this going? Scooby Scooby Doo. Oh, Sounds like a ladle. Goodness. That's gross. <laughs> so he that wrote Scooby Doo. So he was a writer on Scooby Doo. He wrote, yeah, he wrote Scooby Doo. The, um, the one films. Of the films or one of the cartoons? The films. He wrote the the movies oh, with uh, Freddie okay. Prince Jr. and I did watch one half of one yep. of them. Yeah, that's wow. I don't know if that's a good credit. And he also, I don't know. He also wrote um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead that was directed by Zack Snyder as well, um, which is okay. regarded as a, a a pretty good piece of cinema. I think I saw that one. I think that was one that made me want to go fire a real gun for the first and only time that I have in my life. (laughs) Because I thought if I ever find myself in a zombie apocalypse and I get locked into a big artillery room with guns and ammo, I would not know how to, one, load a weapon or two, fire one. So that film led to me firing a weapon at Ah. a tree and a filled up milk bottle on a very large property with no other people around it with a very safe person helping uh do that is that the right term i don't know i'm tangent good sorry let's get back to the film no that's (laughs) fine so yeah james james gunn's background was more in uh in the horror world so he was he had a very heavy hand in horror loves that kind of shock horror and humor in there as well hence scooby-doo exactly right you know those (laughs) those ghosts are scary man yeah (laughs) <laughs> so, all right, but he he also directed a film called Slither, um, which is a cult classic within that within that world. I actually haven't seen it. It is on my uh, it is on my list of films to check out. Uh, but there is a Slither reference in Guardians of the Galaxy as well because that that was the film that kind of put him on the map as to being like, oh okay, like this dude knows what he's doing. 
Wow. Well, I when I was, you know, just before the episode, I get IMDb up and I look at the actors' names just so I'm not babbling too much more than I usually do. And I looked at um, Michael Rooker, who plays Yondu, and he has Slither as a movie title that he's known for. So, all right. So, there are some nice collabs, yeah, collabs James, going on. James Gunn loves to keep, um, keep things in-house a lot, like work with the same people um, mm. that he knows and trusts and, and get alongs with, like, the thing about a film set right is you're on you're doing long days with the same people like if you don't get along with the people that you're working with in these tight mm. spaces it's it's not fun so yeah he likes yeah. to he likes to keep people around who are going to be good on set yeah all right well let's 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 talk more about continued things let's keep going yeah sure yeah i just <laughs> i just i really, make that sound like we're not talking about it of course i really are. respect i really respect the decision that kevin feige the 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 president of marvel studios made mm-hmm. with with hiring james gunn that kind of it it showed like it showed everything you needed to know in in that decision right there it was like it was like hiring robert downey jr as as tony uh, stark iron man so it was it a bit of a risk it yeah it told people who knew that this was going to work. This was going to be okay. It seems like a bit of a weird choice, but it's it's gonna it's gonna work. And James Gunn didn't want wow. to do it originally. He went in for the meeting, thinking, "Oh, I'll have the meeting. It'll be fine, and then I'll leave." And then after he sat down with Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios, he said he went home and he just wrote pages and pages and pages of ideas for this film. So much so, just with the idea of, of handing it over, being like, these are some things that you should do. And when he got through all of it, he wrote 20 plus or 27 or however many pages it was. And at the end of it, he was like, I have to make this movie. Wow. So yeah, it was a real passion project for him. And, and so after that, he fought for it. That's a real sci-fi action comedy. That's how I see this. So a real step away from what he'd be used to. If, yeah, if it was horror and thrillers that he was kind of having his hand in, but I guess Scooby Doo would have let him play a little bit—a really playful film where yeah. he gets to play with special effects and a bit of overacting and uh, a lot of comedy writing in that. Um, at least the comedy writing in this was funny. I yeah, did watch Scooby Doo with my kids with one of them. <laughs> Oh, it was one of those, okay, I'm your dad, I'll watch it with you. Oh, man. If I wore a watch, I would have been in that film doing this. But, uh... Yeah, leaps leaps and bounds. Terrence looks at watch. Yes, for those on the podcast. (laughs) Look, (laughs) I I think it's great that they took a chance because this is a winning film. I love it. I love it. I haven't seen Volume 2. Does he direct Volume 2 as well? Yeah, he's he's back for Volume 2. And at the time of this... Volume 3 hasn't been released. It has been announced. He is back writing and directing Ooh, Volume 3. Great. After oh, a little bit awesome. of turbulence there where he kind of got fired and rehired again. But we're not, we're not going to get into that. I'm just very happy that he's back. All right. Beauty. Beauty. And his brother uh, was in this as well, right? Yeah. Sean Gunn plays Craglin, the Ravager, uh, and also does the, the motion capture on set for Rocket Raccoon. That's pretty cool. That's, That's pretty, awesome. What a cool gig to have. Is I wonder if he's a motion capture actor anyway. No. If he does that kind of thing. 
No, no, he just he he liked the character and and thought he could bring something to it. He actually a lot of the lines in the film were improvised by of rockets by him on set that then Bradley Cooper went on to to say in the recording studio later on. Nice, nice. He's what? so he's the um, is he the co- not co-pilot like second in command of the Ravager ship? That's who Craglin. he is, right? That's his act. Yeah, that's yeah. He's he's character. kind of he's Yondu's kind of right hand right man. Yeah. yeah okay all right i found it really hard to sorry going off a little bit here to picture bradley cooper whenever i heard rocket raccoon talk it doesn't sound like him at all no. does it no it's is, so is it great. rocket raccoon or just rocket how do we refer to this character? his name is his name is rocket okay yeah because he doesn't know what a raccoon is right he gets no. reference to a raccoon and he goes what's that yeah or something like that okay. yeah and yeah because they, they say no it's What's a raccoon? He's like, what's a raccoon? You are stupid. He's like, ah, oh, there's yeah. no, there's no thing like me except me. Oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, because he was, he was obviously taken. Uh, he's an alien creature that was taken and experimented on, and yeah, cybernetic enhancements, and yeah, he's he's been tortured and taken apart and put back together, and yeah, he's got a really sad backstory. He's actually James Gunn's favorite character and the ones that the one that he relates to the most. Just because he's just been broken and fixed so many times, yeah, uh, and so yeah, he was able to really relate to Rocket in that regard. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah, really sweet. I've got little little things like that on all of the characters in here, which I can. I was going to do them as a section, but I might dot them dot them throughout, make it a little bit yeah, a little bit fun. All right, all right. But yeah, um, no, he had James Gunn had such a such a hard task with this film because he was he was bringing the Marvel Cinematic Universe to space. Like, we'd, we'd never seen space before, except for in Thor, which mm-hmm. was kind of science and magic. Like, it was... And, but most of that film was on Earth. Like, this was the first proper being in space film. And so he got to set the stage as to what it would look like going forward. And he did such a good job that it's like, that is what space has looked like for the entire cinematic universe. So you look at you know Thor Ragnarok and uh, like Captain Marvel and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame like yeah. Doctor Strange they all they all take elements and visual storytelling elements from this film um, yeah it was no no easy feat but uh, he was up for the challenge yeah I, I like the um, the overall design of these things you know the ships are really cool the planets the worlds that they go to are nice and you, they don't go into any extra explanation in terms of how they get here how they get here how far away this thing is it's like space geez if they can get into space and move around it doesn't matter how they get from one side to the other which exactly. dimension they're in you kind of expect all this inter intergalactic interdimensionary am i using that word right travel so it's good that that doesn't need to be explained and it doesn't even try to some yep. some films too many films try to do that yeah and get lost in that and that's where you start questioning how yeah. how real it seems so, it's space we've got a talking raccoon yeah, and a giant tree that exactly. walks so and talks it, it it's they fine. didn't need to they didn't need to or feel the need to do any of that so it was, yeah what i'm saying there is it's easy to digest and it's easy to accept when you're treated with an intelligence where you don't need to be spoon-fed yeah everything and so there were so many people online when this movie came out that were like 
how did Star-Lord's Walkman's batteries last that long? And it's like, are you, are you serious? Like, this is a space opera. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's little things like that that you get over pretty quickly. Usually yeah. I get bugged by those things. But I think the comedy in the film and the way that he played it, you know, I'll let him have it. I'll let him have it. And it's space, you know. I'm sure he was able to change... No, I don't know. Exactly. Like they have, they have crafts that can travel at the speed of light. Like they can, they can make the Walkman work. This little Earth product, it's fine. It's an. Isn't there a? Is there a scene where batteries fall out or something? I don't know. There's not. That's. I think I'm. No, there isn't. Good. Yeah, because I think that's what I was looking for. I was looking for an excuse to bust this one but they don't make <laughs> reference to it so I'm, he just pops some weird cell in there and it plays i'm more yeah. interested in the fact that the mechanism keeps turning yeah yeah the, the, cool. <laughs> and he didn't have any pencils on the ship i know to like, wind would the have to. wind the tape yeah. back on i mean that would have to be a, a must-have tool it's a ship with tools on it to repair it i but reckon he, tape he was taking he was taken to Earth when he was a kid, right? Like eight years old or however, however old he was. Uh, he had a backpack on. I reckon he had a pencil in that backpack. Taken from Earth? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. I completely um, forgot how this film opened. Like it had been a couple of years since I'd seen it. Mm. And I completely forgot about the opening scene with, with his mum. With his mother? Yeah. Like I was like, oh, oh I, wasn't, I wasn't quite ready for that. Um, yeah. I, I, I just remember him being on the planet Morag and him dancing to his music while he's trying to find the the, the yeah. power orb. And yeah, the scene that comes uh, over the credits. As yeah. It's almost like that's the beginning of the film. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, when... And this is how much of a nerd I am for this stuff, but when... Uh, what was it? The Winter Soldier was out in cinema still. It was out a few months before Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I came out in like March or April or something like that. And then Guardians of the Galaxy came out in August. Um, and it, But it was still in cinemas leading up to Guardians. And there were certain screenings that you could go and see. It's select cinemas here in Australia, at least, uh, where you would be able to watch the opening scene from Guardians of the Galaxy would be at the end of um, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And so I would pay to go and see the movie captain america again which i'd seen a few times already just to watch the opening scene of guardians and it was that him dancing in the oh. in that, like that that whole bit all the way all the way all the way up until when he jumps into his ship and flies away um i got to watch watch that and so and that opening scene included the hospital it didn't it wasn't right, there okay yeah and nor were the title cards or the, the names of anyone either it was just the scene oh all right that's that's nice. That was a great introduction to Star Lord as well. Oh. I think that yep. you know that was the first look. The song was the first taste of a lightheartedness to this film. Yeah, when he pops the Walkman in as well and starts dancing and kicking those space rats out of the way. <laughs> um, but the the whole interchange that he has, the interchange exchange he has with the with Ronan's. Are they Ronan's goons that come for him? Yeah, that's that's um, Kor- Korath. Korath with the cool goatee. The yeah. Cool double goatee. Um, that was really well played. And you know, look, I think I've mentioned it before. I'm a huge Parks and Recreation fan. So seeing, seeing Chris Pratt um, in this film, 
I actually saw this before I started watching Parks and Recreation. So seeing Chris Pratt in this film, I just thought, wow, this is a cool actor. And then I started watching Parks and Recreation. I thought, no way. Yeah. No way. This is incredible. That, that fat guy is Star-Lord? Yeah. And it was, you know, a few seasons in where he makes reference to him losing the weight yeah. in Parks and Recreation. And all he does is saying, yeah, stop drinking beer. I lost, I lost 50 pounds. That's yeah. it. And it was the first episode of the season where he was actually, he just finished filming or they were still filming um, Guardians. I, I can't remember. But yeah, anyway, it was, it was a really nice, almost a homecoming of... Uh, long lost friends when I started watching Parks and Recreation and realized he was in it. I'm like, oh, yes, I love it even more. It's like, oh, love this is nice. More. This this feels nice. Yeah, yeah he, whilst, whilst we're here, I've got a, a, a fun fact for Pratt um, while we're, we're dotting them throughout. But no, he almost wasn't cast purely because James Gunn didn't want to audition him. He was like, I'm not auditioning and this is a quote from him that the fat guy from Parks and Rec like he's just he's not he's not my star lord Mm. and they had some amazing actors come through and read for the part as well Um, like like Joseph Gordon-Levitt I was up for the role of a bunch of cool people and uh, Sarah Finn who is the the lead casting agent or casting director for the Marvel films uh, was like no you, you have to see him and kind of snuck him in to the into the auditions and within minutes of being in the room james gunn was like that star lord oh so much so much so that he was like you don't even have to lose weight like i will cgi a six-pack onto you like it doesn't matter we've got the money we're disney we've got all the money in the world like it's fine and chris pratt said give me six months and i'll lose 50 pounds and he lost 60. wow wow well, give me six months and a lead role in a Marvel film yep. where I can stop my entire world, I will have a couple of packs there as well. Yeah. Chris, I love him in, in interviews saying. where they're like, like, what did you do? How did you do it? And he's like, oh, I went on the uh, Disney wants me to be in a superhero diet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it yeah. must have been so satisfying for everyone that loves to see that type of skin pulled tightly around toned abdominal muscles when he's in the jail Oof. and he gets that orange mud shower washed down and he walks in. Even I was a bit uh, taken aback by that. Yeah, yeah he was looking cool. good. Yeah. Looking very good. Yeah, good on him. Bit of, bit of hair on his chest and he could have uh, been uh, Wolverine. Yeah, well, his his whole character in this film is like he's he's essentially just playing like Han Solo, like and like Marty McFly, like just those like real eighties eighties uh, movie guys. Because like, that's that's his entire personality is based off all of the 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 things that he consumed kind of when he was goofy, a kid. Yeah. So like yeah. that's that's the only references that he has, which is why he's just constantly talking about Ark of the Covenant and Ninja Turtles and and and, and <laughs> hold on, and the Ninja Fo- Turtle, yeah. Footloose and Kevin Bacon. It's just yeah, it's too much fun. The writing the writing is just so good. Like James Gunn and Nicole Perlman just absolutely floored it with this film. They did yeah. so well. And he has incredible. I say this a lot about every comedic actor that I love 
incredible comedic timing which every comedy actor has to have his delivery is just perfect and on point every time uh even with pauses in his in his sentences the there's, there's one where he's where they're escaping from the prison and he says i always keep my promises when i make them to big muscly guys that'll threaten to kill me if i don't like just just beautiful labored <laughs> drawn out points that he makes yeah that's I love what, I love when he meets Gamora for the first time after he tried to sell the orb and the and the guy with the eyebrows doesn't yeah. he's like I don't want any part of this transaction is when Ronan is involved and he like pushes him out and closes the door and yeah. he's like hey we had a deal bro and then looks over at Gamora and then is like oh the man just backed out of a deal on me if there's one thing I hate it's a man without integrity hi I'm Peter my friends call me Star Lord I love he's so nonchalant just tossing the orb you know chucking it around which i guess was a massive part about this you know make sure that he doesn't know what's in the orb no one knows they just treat it as a bit of a you know it's an expensive ball thing yeah very cool yeah it's that that orb like is so cool it just the the word infinity stones hadn't Mm. been said yet in a marvel film I'm going to have the Marvel junkies come at me. I know that it was in a post credit scene of Thor The Dark World. Okay, I'm not an idiot. There's a scene in that film where the Collector, played by Benicio Del Toro in this film, uh, is given one of the Infinity Stones, and it's the Ether from Thor The Dark World. And he's mm. one down, five to go. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is the first, like, in the film, is the first time that the Infinity Stones are mentioned when we see the orb, which I have one here. Oh, oh my goodness. Look at that. If- if <laughs> for the people on on uh, the YouTube, I've actually got the power orb and it. What? Be careful! Don't touch it. It's got the power stone inside of it. Awesome! If you want to end the podcast now, just take it out. Show me. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just hold it in my hand. <laughs> oh god, it's not going to go back together. There we go. Oh, that's pretty cool. That is very yeah, I love cool. that. One of my prized positions. It used to glow. The, the, the crystal inside of it used to glow, uh, but the batteries must have run out and I can't be bothered <laughs> replacing them. <laughs> Use the same batteries Peter Quill uses in his Walkman. I should. I should. The, infinite, the infinite Walkman batteries. That would last forever. Yeah. Did Benicio, Benicio Del Toro play the Collector in that post-scene credit? In the yes. Dark, and that, and that dark scene. Night? No, Dark World. Thor the Dark, dark World. The Dark World, um, yeah, Thor the Dark World. Uh, that so scene was also good. also directed by James Gunn. Oh, and James how Gunn long has... before Guardians of the Galaxy was Thor the Dark World? A couple released? of years. Wow, um, okay. I think. Oh, no, it might have been the year before, 2013. Yeah, it would have been 2013. So it was the year before it came out. Hmm, okay. Well, that's oh. two That's two post-credit scenes that Benicio Del Toro as the collector is in. Yes. More about that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Get yeah. to that in a bit. All right. Um, Terence is a fan. Yes, kind of. Yep, I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's great. You said you liked uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yes. You know, um, Jeff Goldblum's character in that is the Grand Master. Yes. Uh, he is in in the comics. Uh, the Grand Master and the Collector are brothers. <laughs> Both Which- overly eccentric. Uh, wanting anything that they want in the world yeah. type people. Yeah. So they're okay. like, they are millions of years old, those characters. Uh, and so obviously being alive for that long does some weird things to you. And 
and yeah so they they yeah they are they are millions of years old and they're they're, they're brothers which is kind of cool that is very cool that's cool only uh, like you would only know that from the comics right yeah or there's no talk? reference to it in the movies yeah. all right all right sorry just when you click clacking away yeah i got some notes here and they just kind of updated on me um doing a weird thing i'm just making sure i got them back again no that's uh, fine all right what 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 what's next on our little things to continue to talk about james gunn features heavily yeah beautiful I've spoken about spoken about him a lot he, he's just yeah he's just so good but, he, yeah he, he's worth he's worth the praise um and without yeah without him the marvel cinematic universe looks so different um mm. so yeah forever forever thankful so for that injected fun into the mcu yeah, I'm like speaking in cool acronyms. <laughs> I love my acronyms; they're the best. Yeah, um, love, lots of love. I'd love to. Um, <laughs> I'd love to talk. Oh God, I'd love to talk about <laughs> why why specifically this film means so much to me. All right, because there's there's some there's some history here which I'd I'd love to talk about. Again, I might put this in a time code below, but uh, it's a cool story. So I was working at a cinema at the time that this film came out and the cinema that I was working at uh, had only just opened like the opening night for the cinema was opening night for this film and it was the the Queensland premiere of the movie so it was like two weeks before or a week before it was due to come out like worldwide in the US uh, worldwide and in the US because I think it's release date was like the 8th of the 8th 2014 and oh is that the, because 8 is like an infinity symbol no, I, d- I don't know why I do. That's it was just it was just a good release date, but no, the no. premiere was happening on the thirty first of July, which was so stupid early, and it was a huge event. Um, and I was working it, so I, I didn't see the film, but I was working it, so I got to rub shoulders with a bunch of people that were there. No celebrities from the Pratt. film or anything, but no, like none of them. But it was just so much fun. And I ended up sneaking a couple of friends in to see it who were like huge fans of the film. I just gave them a, like one of the tickets. I messaged them, quick, come down now and now's your chance and got them in. There was there was spare seats, so it was fine. You're going to get in trouble, Lee. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure the it's statute illegal. of limitations has ended on me sneaking people into Guardians of the Galaxy six years ago. <laughs> six years but, is still illegal. But no, I, I ended up like working at the cinema I saw this film I, was, I saw it six times I've got ticket stubs here from four of the times that I went to see it so these are all different dates uh, all the Guardians of the Galaxy ones which was super fun um, I don't I saw disbelieve it. that you saw it six times yeah I know that is very cool it was the first film that I'd seen that many times in a the theatre I just I kept going back to it it was so cool yeah uh, that it was just the characters that kept drawing me back and, and the world was just so so incredible and, and hilarious but full of heart as, as well and so yeah I saw it I saw it countless times but what was really cool about working in the cinema was having people come in and ask oh what should I see and like oh well, what have you heard about you're asking the questions and and they're like, oh, I, I don't normally like sci-fi movies and whatever. And but you would always recommend Guardians of the Galaxy, or they'd had have it recommended by other people, by their friends, or they've seen it online. Like the word of mouth for this film was huge, and every single person that went in to see it that I spoke to when they came out, if they had like no expectations for it, like they, they thought they were going to hate it, they came out and they were like, 
I would do anything for Groot. Like, oh. I, it's like I, I love Rocket Raccoon. Like how like how is yeah. this movie so good? It was just so much fun to see the the looks on people's faces as they as they left the theater. Uh, with this, yeah, this this whole new appreciation for this comic book film that that they would have never experienced otherwise. It was really cool. Such a great connection to the characters that they were able to create, which I think is something that was missing in the earlier films. The only way you as a as a moviegoer would appreciate what the characters were going through was if you knew them already from their comics. Yeah, you had to be a fan of Thor to appreciate him. I loved him because it's Chris Hemsworth and I think Australia did and it's like great way to capture a market, get a really cool Aussie to play a character, but I I didn't know what type of character Thor was until I saw Ragnarok. Yeah. And I thought, whoa, he is cool. And then I saw after that I thought, oh I gotta watch the other ones and I watched Thor the Dark World and I went Oh, I'm glad I saw Ragnarok first because <laughs> yeah. I may not have wanted to watch any other Marvel films after that. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't talk we don't talk about Thor: The Dark World very often, <laughs> but sometimes it's needed in the story. I mean, there's, I did see some, Iron Man first. There's some good a, stuff in the there, Marvel, Marvel and it's film. by no means a bad film. Uh, but it's like when the when the cream at the top is just so thick and delicious. Yeah. Um, sometimes the milk you don't want to drink, um, even though it's it's nice. Oh. Look at you with your analogies. This film had beautiful characters. All the characters were relatable. All of them brought their own level of humor. Uh, They had their own agendas. And they all intertwined perfectly to create this really nice motley crew that you fall in love with and want on your side. Yeah. Um, And I think that's... The motley crew is a good call. Yeah, that that was a big win, you know, whenever you have that situation. It's... It's it's gonna work. There's your there's your Scooby Doo writing coming in. Maybe that's why you loved it. The getting the crew together. I love that you've just stuck. Crimes. You've just stuck on this Scooby Doo thing. I should never have Unbelievable. mentioned it. He just he just wrote the script. By the way, he didn't have anything to do with the film other than that. Oh, he just wrote the thing. That's nothing yeah. much. Nah, writers don't but, mean anything for films. But I'm glad I'm glad that you connected with these characters. Um, because uh, the actors did as well. Like um. Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer. Who would have thought that an athlete, a wrestler, would be able to pull off a performance this well? And you can see his acting has gotten better. Like when you watch Volume 2 or you watch Avengers Infinity War, like his character has does evolve and, and he becomes better as a performer. But like this as like a breakout role for him was just incredible. And he loves this character and loves James Gunn and loves being in these films um, mm. and, and he's in the entire crew and cast that he works with he's just he was so thankful when he got the role that he'd, he'd burst into tears and he had to go through like five hours of makeup to put his whole thing on and then like a couple of hours at the end of the day to take it off but he'd never once complained he just he was so thankful to be doing um, to just be doing this job and, and playing this mm. character um, yeah, he he's so grateful for it, and it's 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 wonderful because he is genuinely hilarious and has some of the best lines. Did not see that coming when when I saw the film for the first time. I didn't know who who he was. He's pro wrestler, right? So yeah, yeah. He, the acting part of it, he's you know no stranger to that. He's a professional performer, but um, maybe maybe this. I mean, this role just would have gelled with him perfectly. Anyway, he just plays muscle. 
but there's a beautiful backstory. Well, a horrific backstory, but one that allows him to connect with the audience. Um, again, that, that was that was beautiful. So the fact that they layered his character with these brilliant one-liners that he just had to deliver as deadpan was just perfect. <laughs> They love that they that they gave him like there's a lot of character depth there as well. Like when whenever there's chaos happening on screen, like he's just he's so full of joy. Like in the prison when the riot starts and he he sees he comes the, alive. He just he just he just starts smiling and laughing and hitting everything. He picks up the gun and yells out to Rocket, "Creepy little beast!" <laughs> Throws up the gun to him. And, <laughs> and I'm more more thinking of the scene where the they fly the ship. The Milano into Ronan's in the back, ship, and he's just <laughs> manically laughing. He's like, get on a ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just turning around, looking at him, being like, "Oh my god, what are we doing with this maniac?" Yeah, yeah. He's like, again, again. He, well, that's what I would expect him to do yeah. as soon as it stops. Yeah, really cool. I love also in the jail. He's a known entity. People know who he is. I mean, he's he is a prisoner already. Like that's where we meet him, right? He's already yes. in, in prison. He's there. But they know who he is. Um, I think with with characters that have notoriety, there's a really nice sense of... What's it called when... I don't know. There's a bit of adoration there, especially yep. when they involve themselves with the group that you're already involved with. So you're happy to have him on your side. And then you've got that total opposite with Quill, He's Star-Lord. He's trying to make himself, you know, notable in the world. He's like, you know, yeah. I'm, they call me Star-Lord. <laughs> yeah, who? Yeah. 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 That was a and nice touch. The, and how the, uh, what are the, what are the, the good guys, the good planet that Glenn Close is in? The, Glenn the Close, Nova, the Nova Core. The Nova Core. Um, how John C. Riley's character, you know, pays him out. Star, what does he call him? Star, Star Prince. Star Prince, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, come on, man. Cool. It's Star Lord. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> they have a really nice back and forth as well. Yeah. Um, which is, and it's nice to see John C. Riley in a role that is not just zany and yeah. uh, he looked like he was Ferrell having fun. Sidekick. Uh, yeah, having a lot of fun. The character is his character. He owns it in itself. He he often plays a part that is another half of a bigger part if you know yeah. what i mean um but he's a great he's he's wreck it ralph as well you know so he's, yeah love Wreck-It he's got ralph. this likability this immediate likability so he was i think he was really well cast in this in yeah. this minor role that he had everyone everyone does so well i hope he survived yeah as in the later films uh the the that planet gets decimated um we don't see it on screen. It's in Infinity War. You've seen Avengers Infinity War, right? No, I haven't. Yeah, they, they mention it off uh, off screen. They're like, when Fine. Thanos got the Power Stone, he decimated Xander. He got what? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Sp- spoilers for the third highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> Which I have not seen. I haven't seen End... I was going to say End War. I haven't seen Endgame. Endgame. I haven't we'll, seen Infinity War. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get... And you know what? I was going to watch it. I was going to watch it. And then when we decided to do this, I thought, oh, I'll watch it. I'll watch it now at some point through this excursion of life. 
we'll yeah. see we'll see through the podcast yeah they will they will definitely appear on the calendar but i can spoil yeah. that now like and look i've got lots no of questions about the marvel cinematic universe but i'm not going to put them out here i think i think no, just given fine. the time that we're at we're going to have a lot of time to do that in later episodes oh for sure yeah so i'm not going to delve into that um i i'd love to start talking about some other stuff as well i love to Please. start talking about not only the funny stuff but what about the music oh the soundtrack yeah the soundtrack is so good i literally just wrote on my piece of paper here soundtrack with like five exclamation points <laughs> yeah put a sixth one there for me very yeah. very cool um this is my kind of music i love all this music and where i work um when guardians came out i hadn't seen it and at work playing one of the guys would put this on for like a week straight and i was i'd walk into work and put my stuff away i was thinking yeah this is who put this on this is an awesome taste awesome taste and people like oh this is the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack what what are you talking about this is a cool track from like the 70s the 80s no it's track three so I'm glad it brought a new audience to this uh, to these genres of music. What would you, what would you call the genre? Of, what is this? Of, of of like most of the songs in in this in this soundtrack. The genre of music or the genre of film? No, music, music. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not the music guy. I <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the music person. <laughs> I don't know. I want to say some of this is classic R and B. Well, stuff. Star Star Lord uh, references them as because the the tape is made by his mum, which I yeah. love that touch. Oh, I just hit the microphone in case anyone was wondering what that bang sound was. Um, I'll try and fix it. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Leave it in. Otherwise, this won't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I should just tap it some more, <laughs> like the drums, like like all of Oscar's lapping the water oh, <laughs> whenever you God. mention. I think oh great, right now, at I've the got to keep it in there. Yeah, we could have. We, we were like four seconds in. We could have stopped and started again, but the show must go on. <laughs> so his mother makes the made yeah. The, the mother makes tape. the tape, and he says that my mother shared shared with me all of the favorite pop songs that she used to love. Pop um, songs. So I think era, yeah. they could be pop. Yeah, they could be known as pop, pop and rock, and because yeah, you got yeah. like Cherry Bomb in there, like that's very rock. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah, what am I talking? Yeah. Classic R&B. Well, he's like seventies and eighties anyway. But yeah. look beautiful songs really cool to to bring back to life um the uga chaga what is it i can't stop this feeling uh that's, ho- that's ho- this, hooked on it? a hooked on a feeling on by a blue feeling. suede that's part of this soundtrack isn't it it absolutely is that was the right? song that was the song that dropped uh when the trailer for this film came out really and if you if you haven't seen the trailer for this film for a while the the first trailer with this song go and check it out it is incredible and it just it, it got all of the haters to be like oh okay no they know what they're doing because there were so many people that were like oh is this going to be marvel's first flop because to this Why point are people waiting for things to fail in this oh, world you know what it's like people at the top of the oh, yeah. when you're at the top of the mountain people will just want to throw stones at you tall and, poppy syndrome yeah yeah exactly disney disney's at the top of the mountain so people do that mm-hmm. and it's fine i say mm-hmm. let people enjoy what they enjoy you know this song i for the longest time didn't have a really good i felt really uh what's the word naff when i heard the song i don't know if that's an appropriate word to use for this but this is now showing my age but i was watching ali mcbeal 
Oh, the dancing baby. Nineties television, and when the dancing baby came up and she hallucinated or whatever about this thing, it just played the ooga chaka ooga ooga. That was all the time, and that yep. was all you heard of the song. And was I never realised it was a song uh, because I never heard more than that. And then I hear it in Reservoir Dogs, and oh, as, yeah. as the full song. Let's get and a taco. I'm hungry. Let's get a taco. Oh, incredible. And so I fell in love with the track again and was able to... Oh, yes. Nice. Nice. What is that? It's wrapped. Yeah, it's in a plastic... It's a, it's a Reservoir Dogs poster. It's a poster. Oh. I, picked up at a, I picked up at a market like oh, probably seven years ago. It's still in its plastic. Oh, man. That is beautiful. But, the, you know, Reservoir Dogs, when we talk about that... Ah, uh, that soundtrack, unbelievable. I mean, any so Tarantino film, brilliant soundtracks, but that gave me a new love for that piece of music. Yeah. And then to watch it in this again, I thought, oh, great. Now I've got three different references to it. I'm going to drop one of them off my radar. Now I'm just going to go back to enjoying that song. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, the trailer for this film put that song back in the charts. It was so popular. And Wow. Excuse me. Yeah, this the the album Awesome Mix Volume One reached number one in the US 200 Billboard charts uh, and was also nominated for a Grammy uh, for Best Soundtrack, which is the first time that has ever happened to a film soundtrack that didn't have an original song made for the movie in it. Wow! It was Lots of royalties of- for the artists, hopefully. Oh yeah, they would have. They, it would have been payday for the people who oh, made yeah. these uh, songs. Oh, just to appear in a Disney film, anyway. That's awesome. What I think, um, Bohemian Rhapsody has got to be the number one film for comeback stories when it appeared in Wayne's World. Yeah. Um, for for Queen, that hit number one again. But yeah, anyway, soundtrack was brilliant, and that's our introduction to Star Lord as well when he's kicking the space rats. And the best the best way just to just to set up the the tone for the entire film because like it yeah. starts off with this it's dark looming character and he's got this helmet like is he human is he an alien is he a robot what's happening where is he it's mm-hmm. dark and it's raining and there's like geysers going off and he's got and this he's weird got this technology thing yeah what is and then all doing? of a sudden the helmet comes off and you see chris pratt headphones on click ding 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 and yeah and we are in and we're like oh okay this is what it's gonna be uh i'm on board do you reckon he designed his own helmet star lord the character yeah Yeah. i would say so yeah i'm not sure so all right now why would you not put headphones into the thing uh i would say that for nostalgic reasons he's kept it kept it separate (laughs) nostalgia nostalgia you want to be able to listen to music when you're spacewalking. Yeah. Oh, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 Soundtrack. Cool. Soundtrack. Yeah. Cool. Incredible. The, James Gunn wrote the script whilst listening to the music. He would play the music on set during certain mm. scenes as well. Uh, it was, yeah, a huge, a huge influence. Get yeah. a vibe up and yep. get the whole crew and cast in a really good mood. <laughs> That's He's asked in in uh, in interviews, it's like, were there any songs that you wanted to put in that you couldn't get the licensing for? And his response is just, "It's Disney, man. We got the money. Like <laughs> every song, every song that I wanted appears in the film." Oh, 
It makes me just want to write music, but since I can't do that, it makes me want to get rich so I can just buy my favorite music, the rights yeah. to it, I mean. Exactly. And then just pitch it to big films and get yeah. even richer. Yeah, Money's that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All oh, right. Yeah, the, the soundtrack right. is fantastic. I'd oh. love to talk about um, yes. uh, yeah, Vin yeah. Diesel for a second, who voices okay. Groot. Um, he voices Groot, yeah. I think yeah, that's so, the funniest kind of credit to have, yes. It's it's incredible. So his voice is just so perfect for this. The last time that he did voice work uh, for a film was um, The Iron Giant, which is one of my favorite animated films. It's just oh. so gorgeous. And he, he plays the Iron Giant in that, you know. Right, okay. Superman. Oh, gosh, makes me cry every time. Not that that takes a lot to, to get me to do. I actually shed a tear watching this film this week um, in a moment. Yeah, that I'll talk about in a little bit. But mm-hmm. we get to what about whens. Uh, but for this, for Vin Diesel, this character was um, uh, kind of a... It helped him to... Of mourning the loss of his best friend, Paul Walker... Um, oh. So Paul Walker died uh, a couple of years or, or a year or so. I'm not sure of the time frame exactly. I shouldn't guess. That's that's probably not an appropriate thing to do. But before this film came out, Paul Walker died in that in that horrible accident. Mm. Um, and and Vin didn't want to do movies for a while. And and this character allowed him to kind of be with people again and deal with human emotions again. Um, and so he's so connected with this character for that reason. It helped him to, to really process that, um, uh, that traumatic event. And so, yeah, he's always got that connection with Groot. And whenever Groot says his famous line, I am Groot, it's always, it always means something. It always means a different thing. And mm-hmm. in his script, he's got the translated version of it. And so his okay. three-syllable, three I am Groot, is, is like paragraphs of dialogue it's just yeah like Groot would actually be making speeches um, and he had to condense it all down so he said the line literally thousands of times um, to get it right so it was always it wasn't a matter if he said it once and then went home like he spent a long time in the recording studio getting it just right and developing the character and it, it it's it's beautiful it's a, such a it's a beautiful story wow well that's good uh, that, that gives me a lot more respect for what went into voicing it i always kind of laughed it off a little bit like how you know we barely recognize bradley cooper as uh rocket but you know lots of lines he's disguised his voice he's he's um you know put on the put on the voice characterized it but the i am groot i always thought oh come on come on but that's really nice to know and it gives so much more weight to the performance that i had no idea about yeah that's really cool and he would also also like backstory very nice in yeah like in the recording studio he would be wearing stilts as well so he would be standing as tall as Groot, and so yeah he was he's really into it um yeah loves the character so the the character's species is called uh uh uh, a flora colossus i think uh and so the the vocal cords are restricted they're not developed like a like a human beings are um, and so that's why they're limited, but he can, he's still an, an intelligent being and does communicate, but he can only do it with those, those three specific words. 
Um, and I, yeah. I think that's sweet. Which can be understood 100% by Rocket. By Rocket, yeah. You can learn how to speak Groot. Wow. Okay, cool. Because in, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you learn early on, um, they've all learned how to speak Groot. So they can all communicate with him. Oh, good. So he'll be, he'll be in, the back, in the back seat and he'll go, I am Groot. And everyone will be like, whoa, what's your language, man? <laughs> oh, it's kind of like Wookiee, right? It is it is exactly like Wookie. He is he is Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. what a great way to do it! Wow. Okay. Cool. Except the fur was easier to animate because it was bark and didn't move so much. Yeah. Costume <laughs> design. I'm gonna stop there. His, right. No, the, just the design of the characters is great, and um, Bradley Cooper as voicing Rocket. So yeah. good. Such do you know? Attitude. Did you see the um, the inspiration for his voice for this role? No. He based it off Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. <laughs> Angry little guy. Very exactly. Cool. Little man syndrome, yeah. Yeah. That's good. And you hear you can hear it in the performance if you go back and and watch it, which you will every year on a date yeah, to be announced very soon. Um yes. yeah, just think Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Or just or just Joe, just Pesci, Joe Pesci in real life. <laughs> Even in uh, Home Alone, in any any film that he's in. Oh, mm-hmm. love Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Yep, Angry Little so Man. Good. I yep. like it. I like it. All right, who's next? Groot, Rocket. We did Drax, Star Drax. Lord. Oh, so, so Gamora good. is the only one can, left. Can I do it? Can I do a Drax quote? Yes, please. Please do a Drax quote. <laughs> do you, you know the beginning of it when do you, uh, something I think goes I know exactly. over his head? I tell you what. I'm just gonna yeah okay. I was gonna, I'm gonna set it up and I think I've got the right one. But yeah, it's it's I when. Know. Yep. Uh, he he uh, Star Lord says something and he goes he's not gonna Rocket's like he's not gonna understand that his, compl- his people are completely literal metaphors just go over his head nothing goes over my head my reflexes are too fast I would catch it <laughs> <laughs> there you go how was that it's so good good Drax good I love Drax. it I even look like him like my shoulder muscles are as buoyant as his why would I run my finger across his neck what no, no, no. It's a, it's a symbol. It's a, it's a symbol for you slicing his neck. <laughs> I don't know the rest. But I would I would cut it off. I would, I would cut I his would head not off. Slice his throat. I would cut his head clean off. It's just it's just a symbol. It's just a it, it, it it's a general expression for killing someone. You, you know this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. no, no. no. <laughs> so good. Oh, oh the script good. is so wonderful. Yeah. The um. Uh, Star- oh, do- are we going to talk about another character? Because there are some good Star-Lord funnies too. I was going to... Well, yeah, Gamora is the only one Gamora. I haven't touched on. There's not, too much, there's not too much backstory for the performance of Gamora other than the fact that I think it's hilarious that Zoe Saldana has played um, a whole bunch of different women in space. So there's this. She plays Ahura in Star Trek. Uh, and she is also... Um, is it Natiri? Why doesn't that sound right? In Avatar... She plays the love yes. interest in Avatar. Is it Natiri? I don't know, but she is in Avatar and is the uh, oh, female lead in Avatar. I'm going to get... I'm going to get... Uh, yeah. Do each of these online. characters have Doesn't different coloured um, skin? She's got green skin in Guardians. Blue skin Blue and in her, Avatar. Yeah, and her brown-black skin. For, okay. Uh, for Star Trek, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm thinking... What? The, the and the her sister her stepsister um is it her stepsister 
like Thanos's. I love Nebula so much. Karen Gillan. Yeah. So I I I realized she's in Jumanji, the new Jumanji films. Yeah. Doctor Who is where she got her big break. She was in Doctor Who. Really. Well, look the. They have some pretty powerful roles. I like when it seems to be that Marvel is casting a lot of um, female warrior characters and assassins. I like that. Uh, I like that a lot because the the male leads are really what what's the word? It's like the female leads tower over them, but silently and subtly. But they're so much stronger in every way. Often, yeah. often yep. that's the case. So much more in charge and in command of themselves. Yeah. Than, like there's so many, like besides Captain America, there's so many. Every, every male hero in the MCU is its father and son dynamics that are, you know, Iron Man and his dad and Thor and his father and Star-Lord and his dad eventually. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's all father trauma yeah, <laughs> from yeah, fathers yeah. and sons. So, yeah. It's nice to see uh, a bunch of strong female characters, and yeah. they have that too. Like both Gamora and and Nebula are the daughter of Thanos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's like there's a lot to unpack there. Like they're not biological daughters; they've no. been family slaughtered and taken and brainwashed and all that horrible nonsense. But I like how they both hate him. Yes. Which I do like that. Y- you understand. Uh, you get a lot more character development for them in the future films, mm. uh, and it's it's awesome. Nebula is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. She um, there's a bit with Thanos where he says, you know, they say they've got Gamora or they send Gamora, my favorite daughter, or something like yeah. that, and she's there. Thanks, you alienated. <laughs> you alienated my favorite daughter, Gamora. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. Struts off. She's so cool. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the coolest weapons in this film is... Is it Yondu? Yondu? Yondu. Yondu's oh, the, the arrow. arrow. Yeah. Is, oh, man, that is awesome. So in, the, is in the comics, so in the cool. comics, he's got a bow and arrow is his weapon yeah. of choice. And so they, they updated it and made it more spacey and cool. For uh, for this film, and it's yeah, it's wicked. At the scene where he just gets all the guys, they all surround him when he he crash lands uh, on on whatever planet, and they start to come at him, and he and just yeah, gets oh, everyone. That was, that was incredible. So Catches the arrow back oh, in the holster. I like that. That's a scary uh, weapon. That yeah, one. very powerful. Yeah, it, I mean that weapon actually makes for one of the best post-credit sting jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's so funny. I can't wait for you to see it. Okay, okay. I just keep thinking, what if he had some lots of chips and had a really salty mouth and then was and in he danger? He'd be like, no! He'd just, Damn it! He has, Damn to, it. He has to Get avoid... Get and chuck it! <laughs> avoid them constantly. Saltines can't do it. Run away, run away. You got some water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was... Uh, uh, so I really... Uh, I really liked the design of of that weapon, like the the thought to to come up with that. That was that was very very cool. I like that. Yeah, very clever. Now you said you wanted to go into some Star Lord funnies. I think. Oh yeah. 
I think it might be a good idea to jump into what about when? What you about think you'd when? be able to roll them into what about when? Because we're we're running yes. we're running there we're running there super quick. <laughs> oh, what about when? One of them's rude, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use um, blocking technology in the in the like whenever you see a film and they have to censor something. I'm gonna use the blocking sensors. So are we <laughs> are we are we gonna we are in what about when now? Let's do it. All right, perfect. So we are in What About When. We didn't receive any contributions this week, which uh, kind of took us for a little bit as a surprise, even though we're not the biggest podcast in the world. In fact, very much quite far from it. Um, but no, this film has such a, a large fan base and love for it. Um, we thought we would have got something. So we've we've covered our bases and we're going to do What About Whens this week. Um, if you would like to reach out for this one, the best way to do it is on Instagram or Twitter. Use the hashtag What About When so that we can see it. Um, or you can email us as well. Uh, our email is themoviecal at gmail.com and we are at themoviecal everywhere else. Links to all of these in the description below. But here we are for hashtag whataboutwhen for Guardians of the Galaxy. Terrence, mm-hmm. would you like to start us off with a rude one? What about when the Guardians of the Galaxy get captured on the planet, the good people planet? Or I can't remember what it's called, where Glenn Close is. Nova. N- Nova? Just yep. Nova? Yep. The oh, no, sorry, Xandar. Xandar. The, yeah. They get captured on Xandar and one by one, we go through their profiles. A bit of storytelling, a bit of, okay, backstory here. And they go in the kind of lineup and they say, this is this, this is this person. And this is Peter Quill, Star-Lord or whatever. And he is there doing this one. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. I just he, that was, the best the best one classic. is when he like he's like in the background they're still talking and you see he tries to pull it down and it flicks back up and he's like oh sorry <laughs> like it's up now I can't I can't do anything can't operate this thing where's the instruction manual yeah I love that bit that was great that had me um, in stitches uh, that was the first that was the first day of shooting I think <laughs> really yeah because they they had been. They had been shooting for a week and they were going to Comic-Con um, with footage. People were like, you've been shooting for a week. How do you have footage to bring of Guardians of the Galaxy, this huge sci-fi special effects epic? And they brought that scene of, of him doing that and Gamora, just the lineup of the characters. Uh, brilliant. Excellent. But that had a lot of CGI in it too. So yeah, they, they were able... They had they, they just must have had previs, just previs stuff that they brought mm-hmm. here. Well, they're Disney, right? Yeah, exactly. Just throw money at it until it looks good. Get your team onto this. That was that was really nice. I like how they did that lineup too. Yeah, yeah, really good. It's a brilliant way to do an exposition dump. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? Yeah. Do you have one? All Should we do one, I do. one again? I've got all of my hashtag. What about whens are Groot related? So, <laughs> except for the last one. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll, I've got five. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle through them. Uh, right. I'll do I'll do one and then we'll, we'll jump back. So I've got what about when Groot grabs the battery in the prison, and everything goes into into chaos. Oh, that's great. Um, that's a, that was kind so of a funny. classic scene. That one now. Yeah, that's good. And Rocket's like, so make sure we do the battery last because you know we need to. Uh, yep. Yeah, I like that. Classic. And then just the way he kind of hands out like, look, look, I did it. I got it. <laughs> and they're like, oh god, all right. Looks like we get it first and improvise. <laughs> He's so proud. He's so he is yeah. like a he's like a, a Labrador. 
He's just this big, yeah. big harmless dog that wants to just do anything for his owners. Yeah, his his good. personality was actually based off of James Gunn's dog. Oh, and is his dog a golden retriever or a Labrador? Probably. I I'm going to say yes. I don't know. I'm going to say it is. James Gunn, correct me if I'm wrong. Challenge accepted. That's what James <laughs> Gunn would say. Here another yeah. what about when? All right. Uh, what about when... Oh, man. Oh, I did my Drax one already. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did I do that earlier? Was um, it the nothing goes over my head where reflexes are too head. far so I would catch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And the, the finger across the neck one as well. So good. Uh, sorry, I didn't know how this machine worked. You know what? I, I, what about when he starts dance fighting? In front oh, of that's the dance Ronan. battle. The yeah. dance battle. He's dance like, off, bro. You, what are you doing? <laughs> Me and you. I like that. And in the same scene, another word about when, what about when they get Ronan monologuing? Oh, yeah. As, as soon as he started monologuing, I'm like, oh, they got him monologuing. He's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool moment. I've got another Groot. I've got another Groot one. Yeah. Um, what about when Groot uh, impales the enemy soldiers uh, with his arm and then starts flinging them around the room mm. and then again turns back to everyone with that giant puppy dog smile on his face going, I did good. <laughs> Such a sweet smile. So yeah. good. And he's just killed, maimed, massacred about 30 people in five <laughs> seconds. Yay. <laughs> he's so just cute. his hand was like a shish kebab. It's like... Um, yeah. Uh, Terminator 2. The... Yeah. The reference. I think there's another Terminator reference in in the film. Um, And I only caught it when I watched it for the first time this week. And it's when... It's very very small. uh, When Nebula is hanging off the... Off the structure. Yeah. and, uh, And she breaks her own hand and falls down onto the ship. She like smashes into the... Into the into the window of the ship and goes get out and throws the guy out, uh, okay. which could very much be a Terminator Two reference, uh, where the T one thousand goes into the helicopter and goes get out and the guy jumps out of the helicopter. Really? I think so. I think it, that'd be a that'd be a Terminator reference for sure because that's a that's a there's a get out in in the first Terminator as well. Arnie says it to someone. Wow. And in the truck, I think he gets in a truck and says get out. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't see that. It's been years yeah. since I've seen Terminator. I, okay. I have seen this film dozens of times. It was the first time I caught it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have another, but what about when we see Chris Pratt's body? Oh. <laughs> this, this shot. He's just this monster. Camera's low Beast. and he just, yeah, I'm just going to strut here in prison with these yep. new pecs and abs. Yeah. That and they wash them. For. They wash them down with orange mud. What kind of shower is that? I think it's to de-lice yeah. them. Oh yeah, the delousing agent. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't really my what about when. I was just glancing at my notes quickly, and I had it, and I remembered when I was saying it that I'd already <laughs> spoken about it. But I, I did can also mention I love Chris Pratt. Um, uh, what about what about when Groot sends the fireflies out into the air to light the room? Oh, um, pretty. In a, yes. It's a really sweet moment. Looks stunning, and yeah, the the beautiful piano score. Uh, that just just amplifies how how sweet that that moment is. Yeah. Um. 
what uh oh i've only got two more nice moment and they even ask him like when did you learn to do this i like that that's actually a very sneaky nod to the comics that line um really yeah because nowhere before had Groot been shown in the comics to have this ability and Mm -hmm. so james gunn thought the best way to do it was to just call it out and have drax go when did you learn how to do that (laughs) oh that's cool that's cool there's a there's a moment with drax as well where um I guess it's a little what about when... No, not maybe. I don't know. He goes back into the prison. Uh, Quill goes back into the cr- prison to get his tape, his his Walkman. And he comes back into the ship and Drax says like, why did we... Why did you go back? And he goes, this. And Drax does something I can't remember. He no, he's, he's praising him for how like how heroic he was going back in there. And, and he's like, you will make a, a keen ally in battle. Tell me, comrade. Like... What is it that you were retrieving? Then he hands him the Walkman. You're an imbecile. <laughs> Great line. But how did Drax know what it was? He wouldn't no have way. had any idea what it was. Yeah. I, I, I have my what about when that we were mentioning earlier, but it might be fitting if it becomes the last what about when because of where it is in the film. Have been the last thing in the film. Yeah, one of the last things. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got one more group. What about when? And then and then we can do that one. All right. All right. Good. Uh, My last my last group. What about when? Is is the sad one, Um, and it's what about when Groot sacrifices himself to save his friends. Mm. He makes this tree orb around them. Yep. This little little structure to keep them keep them safe while the ship crashes, Uh, and yeah, sacrifices himself with the line. Uh, we are Groot. Mm. It's so sad. It's really sad. It uh, when I said that a tree orb, I thought, isn't that weird? Because he makes this sphere, and they show a wide shot of it, and they're glowing inside because he makes the little glowy things happen again. And this orb contains the most powerful thing in the galaxy at the time that are going to be the guardians of the galaxy right inside of it and then and they bust out of it and then they become guardians of the galaxy right is that it can we do that i guess they get birthed they get birthed out of yeah oh well done terrence well done terrence you've totally figured it out (laughs) seen the metaphor that uh yeah was intended yeah but no, that's, uh, it's really sad because he people are like, oh, he didn't really die because he comes back at the end. That's not Groot. That's a completely different beings. That's that's like Groot's mm. son, essentially. The Groot that we knew and love from the first Guardians is gone. He's dead. No. Uh, yeah, which is which is quite sad. Like I said the new one has a different personality entirely. Yeah, well, you could see that at the end when uh, it, I think just when the credits start and Drax is, I was going to say when Drax is reading the paper. <laughs> sharpening his knife (laughs) close you are very close he is in touch with with topical topical things of the era and and the little Groot is dancing you know bopping away I like that and then he looks and it stops that was that was sweet that's I think that was when you realize this is a different Groot this is not yet very different Groot yeah that was nice um but yeah, the last, the last what about when I had, um, which made me tear up. Uh, I don't think I'd cried at it before until now. I just must be getting mm-hmm. 
more of a more of a sensitive softy in my in in my older uh, aging years now. Yeah, uh, somewhere in my yeah late twenties, late twenties. Like yeah, I, was just, I think I'm just going to be constantly in my late twenties. I think that's I'm a good in idea. My really, we're both twenties. We're both in our late twenties. Terence yeah. in his really late twenties. Yeah, uh, and it's when it's when Quill uh, reads the birthday card or the the card from his mum mm-hmm. um, when he opens up the the present for the first mm. time. Yeah, and he yeah he's he's reading the card and it and yeah the, the way that she signs off and uh, and calls him. Uh, my little Star Lord, and it just, it just hit me. I'd completely forgotten about it. And I was like, it's the reason why he calls himself Star Lord is to, is so that he can just hold on to his mother a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just hit me in the right way. I was in the right mood, and I just, I, I didn't openly sob, but yeah, shed, shed a tear. It was a really sweet, really sweet moment. Um, and then yeah. of course, opening the, opening the present to see Awesome Mix Volume Two in there, a uh, whole new catalog of songs for the sequel to be able to play. Yeah, and no, how it was, it was really cool. Does it finish on? Well, that's how it leads into that scene with Drax and the new little baby Groot, where that yep. is now playing in the ship's tape deck. Yeah, that's nice and really good at the beginning of the film, where she says, "You know, your father was an angel" or something like that, where they allude to him actually, yeah, not being from this world, like composed of pure like, light. Ooh, yeah, really yeah. nice. And there the, were. And, so many speculations after this movie came out wow. as to who his father was like so many and nobody was right and when Yondu gets back on the ship after they split and he's like you know what yeah glad we didn't take him back to his dad yeah uh, I my ears pricked up then like, oh what that's right yeah. that's right because I'd seen that this guy film was, already that guy was a jackass <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. Look, the, my last what about when is is a weird one, which I wasn't ready for. I totally forgot because I did see it the first time I watched the film as well. Okay. Uh, and it was really Hit me. cool. It is in the post scene, the post credit scene. Oh, yes. The collector is sitting there after the explosion of the Infinity Stone. Which stone was it? What the Power it? Stone. The Power Stone. Yeah, so we'd seen four Infinity Stones at this point. Um, okay. Uh, and the, yeah, power, this was the sto- power Stone. Do they all do that if you hold it with your bare hands? Do they all yeah. explode and kind of uh, thing? No, the Power well, Stone. This is the does Power this. Stone, yeah. so it does yeah. that. Lots of power. Um, and he's sitting there all frazzled and, you know, lamenting the damage. And he's like, oh, man. Drinking his cocktail. Drinking his cocktail. And then you see this weird alien being also sipping a martini or something i can't remember what he says but it's howard the duck yeah (laughs) and i don't know how many people that i actually know that have seen this film would know that that is howard the duck uh i remember watching howard the duck oh man in i'm gonna say in the 80s i've never seen it i rented this film i i was able to we had a, a video shop it wasn't a blockbuster or some local neighborhood video shop that rented them $6 for an overnight, which is pretty much still what you get rentals for now, physical rentals with the DVD vending machines. Um, and it was just this weird space thing with this duck alien that comes down and, and, and this, this, the, the Marty McFly's mother in Back to the Future 
she oh, yeah. her, her she's the the actor who plays the love interest of this duck and oh, she's God. in a band and it is so weird and it was it was unbelievable that this was a reference i thought what is going on with this yeah. so it must be some sort of big um you know fandom thing that i'm well, guessing james gunn loves the character there we yeah. go there we go and so i i looked just out of nostalgia i looked up howard the duck and i saw now look you have to correct me if i'm wrong here and it might be totally way off i I used the internet for this i didn't fact check it but i thought it was really interesting that howard the duck was made by lucas what's his first name george George lucas Lucas. (laughs) was made by george lucas uh and he thought he could make another great film and (laughs) and it was totally a bomb it got like raspberry awards and all this the Razzies or whatever they're called. And this film nearly sent him bankrupt. And he was either selling assets really? or getting ready to sell assets. And he was going to get rid of his animation division. Um, Steve Jobs came along and I think they were friends or acquaintances. And he, I think, yeah, they were friends. And Steve said, you know what? I'll buy your animation arm. I can't remember the name of it. And he paid for more more than what it was worth because of their friendship and that animation company then became Pixar Pixar as we yeah know it uh, today or yeah. its first iteration of Pixar so i thought that was just really really cool unreal so, so without howard the duck there might not be pixar as we know it right and i guess the affiliation with disney there comes full circle with marvel disney i don't know but i thought yeah. that was just a, a, a a nice little tidbit to throw in please if you're listening to this and you and you know that i'm incorrect please let us know um but yeah i thought that was quite an interesting uh, little interesting fact. yeah that's no really cool what howard the duck has to do with anything marvel related <laughs> apart from the collector collecting weird beings from he's the a, entire he, universe he's a marvel comic book character yeah. are you serious yeah yeah he's a marvel comic yeah oh, well, there you go that's how they were able to put him in yeah unreal okay well that makes sense um, yeah, he says so the the dog comes up and licks the collector's face, and you just hear in the background like, "You let him, you let him lick your face like that, gross." <laughs> I think yeah, voiced he's... voiced by Seth Green. I think really, yeah. Oh, that's he's cool. in that's... he's in the sequel as well for a, a short scene, and he also appears for the keen-eyed viewers uh, in the final battle in Avengers Endgame as well. You can you can see him if you pause on the live frame. the dark? Yes. Yeah, he comes out. It's so great, um, But no, we're going to we're going to move move right along out of our what about whens and jump straight into the main event. Uh, we're going to be hitting on the movie calendar. But before we get there, I just want to uh, say a very special thank you um, to one of our listeners uh, and watchers um, who sent us a, an email this week. Uh, Tobias, thank you so much, mate. Um, it's really nice to hear from you every time. Anyone who sends us an email, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, and he sent us uh, a list of, of a, a bunch of films that he loves that he would love to see appear on the movie calendar. And I can, I've already responded to the email at this point, so he knows this. Uh, but I just want to say it here on the record that there's a bunch of movies that you put on there that uh, we are absolutely going to put on the calendar. Yeah. In fact, Terence and I have already spoken about them before we even got the email. So yep. you've got great taste uh, in, your, in your films there. <laughs> Yeah. But no, thank you. We're we're really glad that you're enjoying the show. We're loving doing it. Uh, it's super fun. I'm 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 having a blast, and and I hope Terence is as well. I'm sh- I'm sure he is. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> all right. I'm still here, yeah. aren't I? You are. You are. We'll see. We'll see how long we go for. Yeah. 
no, no we're, we're excited to keep going um and that and that certainly helps out so yeah uh huge thank you um we really appreciate it yeah and a big invite to other people as well the, our emails there please let us know any thoughts if you've got feedback if you've got some great ideas please write to us you know yep. we're not inundated so much that we can't get to everyone and when we do we will still try to get to everyone exactly so, yeah. we'll, we'll do our best at the moment we're in our own little little bubble so we we'd love to love to get some some contributions and some feedback uh it's how we're going to get better um yeah. all, right. all right so back into the main event to the movie calendar um so the date that we have chosen this week uh is going to be for guardians of the galaxy march 10th and now there is a reason for this and I don't know whether I want to say it or not, or whether I should say, check out the card that's going to appear above Terence's screen for the Iron Man episode where we explain why Marvel Cinematic Universes go on certain dates of the calendar. You'll probably be able to figure it out, but it is the 10th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so you should probably be able to figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Should I explain it, Terence, or should we let people go on a journey of discovery? <laughs> if you said that to me and I was listening, I would say, I have no idea. And I'm not going to research it. Just tell me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so because it's the 10th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for people who want to watch the Marvel movies every single year, because I know that they're out there, I'm one of them. Um, mm-hmm. We put Iron Man in early January, I think on the 6th of January. So it appears in the first week. So say the Incredible Hulk, which we will not be putting on the calendar, would appear in the second week of the movie calendar. So you can watch it then. So I think the date is between kind of the 5th or 6th of March to the 11th, I think is the 10th week of the year. Um, so we thought it would appropriate be appropriate to put Guardians of the Galaxy in the 10th week, which would be then. And I had to pick a date in the seven days. So I went with the 10th because it seemed mm-hmm. appropriate. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's yep. fair enough. I think you're showing great restraint to not put every single Marvel film on the movie calendar, Lee. Yeah, they're, well not, they're not all calendar worthy. Kudos to you. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> I guess this gives a little bit of a precursor as to whenever we do a Marvel film, maybe you'll have a better idea of when it might go. But yeah. I looked, I looked so hard for any kind of connection between yeah between the movie and this week of the year i looked at all of the cast of birthdays i looked at when they made like their first films wow. and i couldn't find one so that was the date that we came up with wow dedication yeah you should have called me because uh, and asked me because i was talking to chris pratt the other day and oh, uh you know right. he he mentioned you know if ever you have a date set aside for anything that you might do hobby wise <laughs> Why not? You know what I thought was really cool in this? I didn't talk about it before. You know, one of the um, one of the police guys, guards from yep, the, the Nova Corps. The Nova Corps. He is one of the one of the other ones, not John C. Riley, but the other guy who's in the little fighter ships who create that mesh. I know and who you're talking the about. The ship pushes through. Yeah, Rocket. He, he dies. Peter Serafinowitz. Uh, yes, I'm glad you said it. I, I hope that's the right way to say it. Well, I love him in things that I've seen him in, of course, in Shaun of the Dead. Um, he has really nice cameo roles in lots of uh, yeah. British television uh, and films and in the Cornetto trilogy, right? Yeah. Is he in he plays, all of them? He also plays the Tick as well. No, he's not in he all the Cornetto the trilogy. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that then because I was totally wrong. But he's in <sighs> things like Black Books, uh, yeah. which, you know... Uh, 
is it Simon Pegg? Nick Nick Frost is in Black Books in cameos as well, um, but he is also in Parks and Recreation, and he is in the episode oh, really? of Parks and Recreation where Chris Pratt, Andy Maguire, makes a reference to him losing weight, and they're in uh, London, and that's fun. there's like there are a couple that. of scenes. There's a scene where they're in the uh, the London Eye and they're talking, and his character is like, "Isn't it beautiful here? Don't you just marvel at all of the scenery here?" Uh, <laughs> this his character would never speak like that, so that was a cool reference. And then that's I found fun. out that because they had such a great relationship shooting Guardians of the Galaxy, the two characters in Parks and Recreation get on like siblings like long lost brothers that's that cute. are just each other's best friends uh it's just unbelievable he plays a, oh, a duke love or something you know it's just so sweet to watch and so good and really right. nice to know that their relationship came from from this film yeah that's really cute. cool just wanted to mention that before oh, what a nice little that. what a nice little bookend to the episode thank you for that yeah. Um, yeah. next week as we know we have been mentioning it for the for the entire month and before uh, is going to be Jordan Peele's directorial debut Get Out if you haven't seen it now is the time check it out find it on a streaming service or, or rent it or buy it on, uh, on on and available to you however you can but but get it in front of your eyes and ears it's, it's marvellous mm-hmm. Um, and then come on back for for that episode. Um, thank you very much, Terence, for another cool. good one. I'm glad to have another Marvel thank movie on the character uh, on the calendar. It won't be the last, uh, and wasn't the first. If you want to check out Iron Man, uh, it'll it'll be up there for you Go to for, for you to see. It's a really good episode. That one, bit of a history of Marvel there too. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone. Subscribe. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>